0: It's time for a Your Gal Friday flashback episode. We're re-airing an episode of our sister show that ties into a gal pal's one cool thing. So earlier this week, gal pal Bonnie talked about the women who made the internet. Well, would you like to know more about the first ever computer programmer? It sounds crazy, but Ada Lovelace set the foundation for the modern computer 100 years before its existence. You can learn all about her life and legacy right now on our sister show, Your Gal Friday. Welcome to Your Gal Friday, a podcast about female leaders, innovators, and rule breakers. Each week, your hosts, Kate and Phoebe, will shine a spotlight on an amazing gal and talk about what we can all learn from her. Brought to you by Gal's Guide to the Galaxy. Welcome to Your Gal Friday. I'm Kate Chaplin. And I'm Phoebe Freer. Before we dig into this week's gal, we have some exciting news. Yes, we do. You are listening to an award-winning podcast. Yay! Yay! We were honored to be the recipient of the Indie PopCon First Ever Podcast Awards, and Your Gal Friday won the Best Family Podcast. So Phoebe, how does it feel to be an award winner of I a mean, podcast?
1: It, it feels pretty amazing. I mean, I've only been a podcaster for like how a couple months, I guess it seems. Right,
0: exactly. Yeah, yeah we're, and we're already <laughs> early wins. on.
1: We're very early, and we're winning things, and I'm like, wow, this is it's really encouraging, actually, because like, okay, people are noticing. We're getting stuff out there, and
0: people yeah. are listening.
1: It'll get more. It'll get more people to listen. So that's just really exciting.
0: Since the announcement of the awards, our uh, audio downloads have gone up. That's
1: awesome! <laughs> Yay! We seem more legit now. Not that we weren't legit before, but we like right. appear better I don't
0: know <laughs> it's also it's the sally field thing you like right. me you really really like me <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> we feel like oh okay we've touched a chord we relate you know it's right. like oh that's so sweet <laughs> yeah, Exactly. <laughs> but then is it bad that in the back of my head I'm like family podcast were we the only ones that were in the category like oh, I'm Christ. I'm always like oh, a little bit weary but, but you know what we won we, we, won. But we won we won a thing <laughs> and we got
1: like recognition for a thing so that's cool
0: exactly apparently uh we were unable to go i mean phoebe's in another state she had a better excuse than i did i had a meeting (laughs) and i was behind on gal's guide work uh but apparently there is this really pretty frame uh that's all scrolly and nice
1: yeah so that has the name of
0: our show on it
1: what i know (laughs) it's like we're legit now
0: I know. I love it. And I love it for Gals Guide, too, because Gals Guide hosts two podcasts and both of them are award winners. Right. So it's kind of like, that's right.
1: We're doing Gals Guide thing, podcasts, guys.
0: the ones that win awards. Exactly. I don't know. I don't, yeah, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> there are great shows out there. Right. Yeah. Oh,
1: my gosh. Maybe it's more like, OK, I'm completely biased that I totally love our show. But maybe, you know, now other people love our show. So that's awesome.
0: Exactly. That's right. <laughs> and we have to love it. We have to love oh, it yeah. because we put so much effort into it. Right. We love it so much that if you, you know, the listeners love it like 1% of what we do. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> still worth it. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> exactly.
0: Uh, so should we get into this week's Glorious Gal? Yes, we should. So who are we talking All about today? Right. So today, we are talking about the mother of computers, which is going to seem really odd because she died nearly 100 years before the first computer was ever completed. Her work with Charles Babbage was ahead of its time, but her influence and innovation is still inspiring men and women all over the world. Today, we are talking about the life and legacy of your gal, Ada Lovelace.
1: Yay, so I've definitely heard the name Ada Lovelace before. I mean, it's not really a name you tend to forget because it's so catchy, but unusual. Very much so. Yeah. So my friend actually told me that Ada was a computer language, and that's kind of all I knew.
0: Oh, very cool. See, actually, I didn't even know that. (laughs) Gotcha. (laughs) Ah... I, I mean, I knew she was the first computer programmer before computers were as we know them today. Right. Um, I knew that women would compute large numbers of mathematics and like astronomy theory. So hence the computing is where we got the term computers. That part right. I knew. Um, also, Hidden Figures, <laughs> the movie right. and the book really helps you know that as well. Yeah. But the programmer part was always quite interesting to me. So I've actually really been looking forward to this week to learn more um, about the machine uh, that she did programming for. And also just this time period. I mean, the interesting thing about Ada is we don't even have a photograph of her. We have paintings. That is how old we are talking about here. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And I also did want to know more about her life. So let's start at the beginning. So Phoebe, when and where did she grow up? Well, she was born Augusta
1: Ada King Noel, which is kind of a mouthful.
0: That Um, is a major name. (laughs) Yeah.
1: So she was born in London on December 10th in 1815. She was the mother of computers and born in 1815. This is crazy. Like, how is this possible?
0: (laughs) Keep listening. We'll explain. We got this.
1: We'll explain. So her mother was Anne Isabella Milbank or Annabella. And her father was actually the famous Lord Byron, who expected his baby to be a boy and was actually disappointed when his wife gave birth to a girl.
0: Boo. Oh, yeah. Augusta- <laughs> But it happened a lot. It did. It really did.
1: So Augusta was named after Byron's half-sister, Augusta Leigh, and was nicknamed Ada, which is way easier to say, might I add. So Very much so. Yeah. And the nickname was given to her by Lord Byron himself, and even though he barely had anything to do with Ada's life. So Ada Lovelace was the only legitimate child of the poet Lord Byron. All of Byron's other children were born out of wedlock to other women. But Byron separated from his wife just a month after Ada was born, and he left England forever four months later. It is thought that he only married to alleviate a possible scandal that Lord Byron had with his half-sister. Don't know how true that was, but I mean, right. he's kind of It was definitely
0: a... a scandal. Right, <laughs> and he was a pretty sketchy
1: dude, so yeah. <laughs> people
0: people love to talk about the Lord Byron. Didn't matter if it was true. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they loved it.
1: Yeah. So after the disappointment of having a girl, he had no other reason to stay in the marriage. It is mother remained bitter towards Lord Byron with... You know, good reason.
0: I kind of am too. Yeah, I know. Me too. <laughs> He's,
1: I'm not so sure I would be proud that he was my dad, but, you know,
0: mm-hmm. to each their own. <laughs> exactly.
1: But Ada's mother actually promoted Ada's interest in mathematics and logic from a very uh, young age. And this was because she was making efforts to prevent her daughter from developing what she saw in Lord Byron as, like, insane. Like all of his mm. behavior was insane, and she was trying to steer Ada away from poetry and the arts, thinking that that's what made Lord Lord Byron mad.
0: Who knows? There wasn't a whole bunch of you know psychiatry and right. and help, so it's kind of like you know what if it was uh, if it was poetry, let's just stay away from that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Been it's... down that road before. It wasn't pretty. <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> the arts can make you a little crazy if you don't like keep it at bay, you know. So I mean, this it is could, true. It could be a thing. I don't know.
0: Who knows? (laughs) knows? The science is still out, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Still hundreds of years later.
1: (laughs) Right. (laughs) So on January 16th in 1816, Ada's mother, Annabella, left taking one month old Ada with her. So although English law at the time gave fathers full custody of their children in case of separation, Byron made no attempt to claim his parental rights with, with Ada. So, Annabella ended up holding a grudge against Lord Byron the rest of her life and raised Ada with her, uh, with her mother. So Lord Byron did not have a relationship with his daughter. He never saw her again. He died in 1824 when Ada was just 8 years old and he was only 36. Ada's mother was the only significant parental figure in her life, except that Annabella did not have a re- cl- close relationship with Ada either. And she often left her in the care of her own mother, Judas. However because of the attitudes at the time Annabella had to present herself as a loving mother to the rest of the society so she would like write letters and they'd be fake letters but she'd like have this fake you know caring towards her
0: and of course get in her business anytime right. she felt she needed to yes. right
1: right <laughs> So Ada was often actually sick in her childhood. At the age of eight, she experienced headaches and it messed with her vision. In June 1829, she was paralyzed after a bout of measles and she was in bedridden for a full year. So at this point, it is thought that Ada had plenty of time to study and dream about things like flying machines. So she didn't just lay in bed and do nothing all year. She actually used her mind and grew herself. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. So by 1831, she was able to walk with crutches and then At the age of 12 she decided that she definitely wanted to fly and she definitely wanted to create this flying machine
0: good anya
1: right so ada went about the project methodically thoughtfully and with imagination her first step in 1828 was to construct wings she investigated different materials and sizes and she considered different materials like paper and oil stick and wires and feathers And she even, like, studied birds and everything.
0: That's what you gotta do, yeah. Right,
1: exactly. So she examined the anatomy of birds, and she was determined to find the right proportion between wings and the body. After all this studying, she decided to write a book called Flyology. But the first flight wasn't actually until 1903. This was just the first time Ada was well ahead of her time, but not the last. She thought of flying machines almost a hundred years before they even existed which is crazy
0: yeah she's way ahead of her time right <laughs> over and over again in different applications over. yeah her school tutor mary somerville introduced her later in her life to a mathematician named charles babbage in 1883 so a little bit on charles babbage's history as it kind of relates to ada so Charles used to double check mathematical publications at the Royal Astronomical Society in London, and he would keep finding multiple errors. And when he found these errors in calculations for ship tides, he knew that these human errors would actually have dire consequences. So he knew that there needed to be a machine that would calculate correctly every single time. So he made a demo machine and he called it the difference engine number one. So the difference engine number one, it solved polynomial calculations. So those are equations with many terms, like a 3x plus a x squared plus a 7. Three different kinds of terms, basically. And Babbage would show this off at dinner parties and social events, apparently like you do. <laughs> right. Uh-huh. So this is actually where Ada comes in, because she was at one of these dinner parties. And when she saw the device, she called it the thinking machine. So the two would write letters back and forth, but it would be a few years before they actually started working together. So Babbage would go on to do lectures and tours and apply for a grant from the British government to build a full difference machine. In that time, Ada married William King, an English lord and scientist. When it was discovered that Ada was a descendant of Baron Lovelace, she and William were given the titles Countess, an Earl of Lovelace. I want a title.
1: Wow. That like, can I just marry into a title like that? That'd be freaking I
0: cool. know. Well apparently that's how it's been done for centuries. Wow. But uh So
1: you just all you, you gotta, gotta do is marry into
0: it. You gotta marry into gotta it, marry but you gotta find somebody it. with a title. You gotta, and you know what, the waiting list is probably pretty long. Probably dang it for those They're probably not the first
1: ones who thought about this
0: i know you know maybe because we're you know we're american and not british we should just start making up our own titles we should <laughs> oh my
1: goodness what if we, we just will, like okay we get it we buy just a normal house and we just call it our castle and then right. we like you know make titles. We create a coat of arms right exactly. and titles right exactly yeah. we can
0: do this and like this, you know, color happen.
1: scheme,
0: you know. <laughs> Done. <laughs> Done. We got this. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> but I love it. So she is a countess. Yes. Yay. Yeah. And they had uh, William and Ada. They had three children together. They had Byron, Annie, and Ralph. So Ada and Babbage they reconnected in 1842. Uh, an Italian mathematician wrote down notes from Babbage's lectures about his new machine, the Analytical Engine. And Ada was brought in to translate. So that's how we got the two of them together. Wow. So Babbage had grown frustrated with the precise machine parts that were needed to finish the full scale of his first engine, the difference engine. The the faults with the first machine also could be fixed and allow for more calculations with this new machine, the analytical machine. So kind of think of it this way with these two different machines that he and and Ada to a fault were also working on as well. The difference engine was for numbers. It was a giant calculator, basically. The Analytical machine was general purpose. It was a general purpose computing machine, and it was the future of the modern day computer. So not only did Ada translate the notes on the analytic engine, but she also added notes that were three times longer than the original document that she worked on.
1: Right, And That's she worked crazy. on that
0: paper for a year. Oh she fully God embraced and you know embedded she herself knew
1: what she was talking about
0: absolutely <laughs> it was more than just transcription <laughs> right
1: it's like no this means this so explain this and then explain that but you can't just say that term you got to explain it like this and then you got
0: to do right like, exactly
1: I, I can only like that that's probably what she did it was like oh wow oh okay we're we right. got this okay and-
0: and adding this and it can be this process can right. be used this way yeah. and this can be the result. It's amazing. Yeah. I mean, she she included all that, but also she included how the analytical engine was different than the first machine right. um, because she was also trying to convince funding. Right, right, right. <laughs> That was the other thing. It's like, well, what about this other thing that we liked? Well, no, no, this one's better. Right,
1: yeah. <laughs> this funding seems to be a recurring theme in life, I seems.
0: She was also discussing in her notes the method for calculating a sequence using Bernoulli numbers with the new engine. Right. So you might be asking yourself, what in the world are Bernoulli numbers? Right. Unless, you know, you're like, oh, dear gosh, is this math?
1: Oh, probably both. (laughs) That's kind of my reaction. It is. Are we using algebra? Exactly. Oh, you know that question? (laughs) Am I really going to use algebra later in life? Yeah, to learn other people, learn about other people. Yes, yes, you are.
0: <laughs> yes, absolutely. It always comes back in one form yep. or another. Uh, well, Bernoulli numbers—they're uh, actually a sequence of rational numbers that occur very frequently in number theory. Um, They—it's one of those things you actually probably hear of them a lot. Sometimes you glaze over. Oh no, it's Bernoulli right. numbers. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, but what they are, in a very easy way of thinking of it, is they are numbers one through twenty that have an equivalent fraction and equivalent decimal. So basically, the number one has a fraction of negative 1 half, and it has a decimal of plus or minus 0.5 to the eighth power. So Bernoulli comes up a lot in math because there was eight Bernoullis eight mathematicians over three generations with the same last name. And they all, to a certain extent, created very interesting number theory and number calculations. So when I was searching Bernoulli numbers, I was coming up with a lot of different Bernoulli. Oh yeah, I'm sure.
1: (laughs) If I was better at math, I would totally get lost in this research. But I'm like, math is not my strong suit, so... I understand to my level, you know.
0: <laughs> right, exactly. Yes, I can grasp it on a basic level and usually it's relating to something else that I know on a practical level. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that is where I get it. Uh, but when you look at Ada's algorithm using the Bernoulli numbers, what you see is the letter B. And those variables are not as far as I got in school. I got to X and Y. Right. <laughs> I never got to B. Uh, but plugging them into the engine where the B variable means both the fraction or the decimal, a lot of times they use the decimal with the machine. It gave proper calculations. Yes. So she included this algorithm. For the engine to compute the numbers, and therefore created the very first computer program. That's so dun, dun, dun. crazy. Right? Before there was really a computer. It was right. more of a machine. <laughs> Wow. also in her notes she saw beyond the powerful calculations for numbers but she saw the potential and she wrote this the analytical engine might act upon other things besides the number where objects found whose mutual fundamental relations could be expressed by those in an abstract science of operations and which should also be susceptible of adaptations to the action of the operating notion and mechanism of the engine supposing for instance that the fundamental relations of pitch sounds in the science of harmony and the musical composition were susceptible to such expression and adaptation the engine might compose elaborate and scientific pieces of music of any degree complexity or extent so basically modern computers and dubstep
1: nice That's
0: fantastic. <laughs> that is what Ada saw as the future. Yeah. And those are two amazing things. Right. I love how music <laughs> ties calculating into calculating numbers. everything. I know, right? Music is such a constant in our life and our inspiration and in the way that we think, right. too. The way that we problem solve almost. Yeah. And ugh, I Adore it. So let's get a little dangerous. Let's break down what the analytical machine was. Right. And then we'll also ask the very hard question. Was this thing ever fully built? Right.
1: (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Okay. So the design for the machine was broken down into four components, which I will explain what those components were in relation to the modern computer, just so that we can kind of wrap our heads around this.
0: Yes. Perfect. Perfect.
1: So the first component was called the mill, or today we would call it the central processing unit, or the brains, or the CPU, whatever you want to call it. So the second component was what they called the store, or the memory, or the storage is how I kind of put those pieces together.
0: Yeah, me too. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: So the third was what they called the reader, or the input, except for they didn't have a mouse or keyboard, so they used punch card technology. Yeah. And then the fourth component was what they called the printer. was literally a built-in printer or a paper display like we have, just so it wasn't like an inkjet printer. Mm-hmm. It was, you know, it was more mechanical right, exactly. version of our printers, so.
0: Yeah, and it's the only term that stays the same. Like printer? Yeah. Yep, we know that yep, one. Yep, we got it. <laughs> but this, But this printer is also built in. If you think about right. it, we don't have built-in printers to our, you know, home computers right. and to our laptops. We have external This is built things. in. Yeah, this
1: is like... yeah. Yeah, this is like your computer and printer all in one thing. Right. Which is really cool. So, this project was actually far more complex than anything built before it. And remember, this was all mechanical equipment, it was all before digital. So, it was actually steam powered, not electrical or digital. Steam power? Yeah, steampunk. No, I'm just
0: kidding. (laughs) Yes, I know. I saw steam power and I'm like, this is a steampunk episode. This is. We should have been wearing We're living our being in the Victorian hats. past. Oh this my gosh! And this goggles. whole episode is totally steampunk. I just realized steampunked episode done. That's awesome. <laughs> done, Full especially standard. because it's all like gears and knobs it and is. steam power, and it is the Victorian age. And yes. yeah,
1: <laughs> and it's about machines and it's about the future. Oh my gosh! It's totally steampunk. Ada Lovelace was right? steampunk we have a new discovery yes, before there was
0: steampunk there's another thing she was before the before
1: right she was ahead of her time in the whole steampunk phase too she was the right. real life steampunk person we should all be striving towards
0: exactly right yeah
1: <laughs> wow so so after we got you know excited about the whole steampunk thing we'll kind of get back on track here so yes. yeah let's,
0: sorry. Let's, sorry oh
1: it's cool it's cool so let's talk about the store or the memory that was supposed to uh, storage was supposed to be large enough to hold one thousand fifty-digit numbers. To put it into perspective, because this these numbers mean nothing to me who doesn't know anything about right. digital stuff.
0: <laughs> but, la la la, lots of numbers. Right, exactly.
1: But to put it into a little perspective, this was larger storage capacity of any computer built before nineteen sixty.
0: So wow. that
1: is very very ambitious. And get yes. this. The machine was supposed to be steam driven, like we just said, and, ru- mm. and actually like ran by an attendant, not just like, here you go, you leave it alone. It was actually, you know, right. somebody was Somebody's pulling. cranking it, yeah, basically. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep. Wow. So for output, the machine had the printer and it was like a curve plotter and a bell. It was this cool little thing that I kind of wish I could see because that would be really cool. Yeah. So the machine would also be able to punch numbers into cards and then be able to read it later. So that's kind of like your, your um, almost like a memory card, it seems.
0: Right. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely.
1: So the mill or the CPU will be able to perform all four arithmetic operations plus comparisons and optionally square roots, which is like crazy. So this is like what they wanted it, for before with calculate, making sure all the calculations were absolutely correct. Right. So the data or the numbers were to be entered on punch cards and then using these card reading technology of the Jacquard card loom. So that's a totally mm-hmm. different thing, but um, they implemented it with this.
0: Yeah, they saw for the, I, I read up a tiny bit on it mm-hmm. to do the really complex looms by machine. Right. Uh, the guy, Jacquard, who owned a loom factory, created a punch card system where it's like this hole means red, this hole means blue. Right, yeah. And so they kind of used what he kind of started right. <laughs> to to have it equal numbers, though. Right. <laughs> That's crazy. That yeah. Is-
1: So these cards would actually make it a programmable device and would be far more flexible than any machine in existence then. Yeah. Another cool thing that it was able to be programmed with is its ability to execute instructions in other than in sequential order. So it was to have a kind of decision-making ability in it's conditional control transfer, also known as the conditional branching, where it would be Mm. able to jump to a different instruction, depending on the value of some data. So, I know the first time I heard this, you know, description, it kind of went over my head, but I actually talked to my friend, and he basically all expl- like explained everything to me, so let me tell you this again, but in English.
0: <laughs> there you go. sounds good. All yeah. right.
1: There's actually a computer language now called BASIC, which is actually an acronym that stands for Beginner's All-Purpose Symbolic Instruction Code. And in this code, you can write commands in a list format where each line of code is numbered. So this program would go through the lines of code in numerical or sequential order, unless it happened upon an if-then statement. So, for example, a line of code can say, if x equals 5, then go to 99. Which means that if the numerical value that was the input was or was changed to 5, then the program would skip all of the code up until line 99. And then continue or end from line 99, depending on what line 99 was. So line 99 could equal the end of the code, or it could continue on to another if-then statement, and so on. So does that oh. kind of make more sense? Yeah, no, absolutely. Okay. I
0: like that. That's very cool. Yeah. You know, I also kind of think of it this way, too, mm-hmm. with the uh, the conditioning where it can work on something else and not in in order. Right. Let's say you have a to-do list. Right. You don't always do the first thing on the list. You do the most solvable thing. You know, like, let's say you've got a list of five things. Which one can I get done the fastest? You usually do that one first. (laughs) This is telling the computer, you know, you can do this equation or this part or this transfer Mm. this number to this number. Do that part first. Right.
1: (laughs) Or it's like do number one on the list. But if you do number one on the list and you complete it in this way, like if you get all the laundry done in one right. load then you can skip the next two loads of laundry and go on right. to doing the dishes
0: <laughs> yes <laughs> you exactly. know something like that <laughs> yeah. yeah oh it's fascinating yeah it, it actually feels like applying real life to code
1: <laughs> yeah exactly it's so interesting <laughs> so this basic computer language um actually works in the same way that this analytical machine works but this is a digital language and it was not built until 1964 whereas the analytical analytical machine was thought of in 1837 well over a century beforehand which is
0: incredible oh
1: my gosh it's crazy like Mm -hmm. they were so far ahead they were literally like a sci fi movie. You could make a. Right, like, they were
0: seeing the future. Yeah, you could make a
1: documentary about these people and it be yes. sci fi and it be 100% accurate. Like, it's crazy. Right.
0: <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so it is said that the uh, analytical engine was a real computer as the definition is understood today. So even when my friend was describing to me about the analytical engine, he ba- he told me, so basically it was a computer. Like, that was right? his exact words. I'm like, okay, totally. but what does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> so, but actually building this ambitious design was thought to be impossible given the current technology. And it was apparent to the British government that Babbage was actually more interested in innovation than constructing the tables. So the machine never actually got built. I can just imagine... Babbage wanting Ada to do all the stuff that he didn't want to do, kind of. Right. You know, like... Exactly. To a
0: certain extent. Yeah.
1: Like, yeah, I don't want to... Well,
0: especially find funding for it. Yeah, exactly.
1: (laughs) It's like, oh... Nobody really
0: wants to do that. This
1: part's frustrating me. (laughs) Ada, can you figure it out? Which, you know, she could, so...
0: Exactly.
1: (laughs) They make a good team.
0: The other hard part, too, that I was finding was just... The physicality of being able to build things precisely. Yeah.
1: yeah, exactly. Just the gears
0: and rotors so it would always be correct. Right. I mean certain things just couldn't be built to that. No. Um yeah. There was there was many limitations oh, yeah. put on this grand idea.
1: Yeah. What I find incredible is that Ada somehow knew that this machine would actually work and could be used to compute more than just numbers. And she knew that it could if refined process music and images as well so basically everything we use a modern computer for but if you Mm -hmm. think about it music is frequencies and notes and if you break it down further it's calculations and then colors broken down have numbers and letter calculations as well but somehow Aiden like put it all in her brain, and figured it out, and she knew that someday this machine could do far more than what Babbage even thought.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: It'd be awesome to be able to see the future like that.
0: Yeah, to be such a forward thinker of application. Totally. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. So when Ada translated Babbage's notes on the machine, like Kate said, she added three times the amount of information with her own notes of how the system worked. That just shows how incredibly knowledgeable she was and, like... It's
0: just so cool. So whether today or 174 years ago in Ada's time, a computer program uh, is a set of instructions on how to get a machine to do something. So we're going to talk a little bit about, you know, what is a computer code in relation to what Ada was doing and then also to today a little bit as a basic level, basically. Um, So a computer program, it's made up of three steps. It's made of describing the process, the procedure and then writing the algorithm. So, the process. So, the process is a series of actions taken to achieve an end. So, let's say, and I love my example. I you do too. To I, a, I love yeah. I like, is I run ahead a little bit. Adorable? I love this example. Oh. So, we'll
1: just go let you go for it.
0: <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. So, let's say you want to make a new app where you can buy one of a kind Ada Lovelace inspired merchandising. Yay. <laughs> T-shirts to coffee mugs, all with Ada's adorable Princess Leia buns on them. (laughs) So you would need a series of actions uh, that you would want the app to be able to do to allow the customers to find what they're looking for, to order it, to leave their info, and to pay for it, right? Right, exactly. So then the procedure would be the series of actions conducted in a certain order. So whenever you order something, like, you know, our fictional awesome app of ordering Ada merchandise, exactly. uh, customers need to find the app, they need to download it, they need to search for the item they want, they need to click on it, they need to add personal info, including their credit card, process the payment, and receive an email or text confirmation. So an algorithm, then, is the set of steps to solve a problem. So the problem, in our cheesy example, right. is that we all need adorable Ada Lovelace merchandise. Right, <laughs> exactly.
1: Exactly.
0: <laughs> That's a serious problem. Yeah. Uh, so the app is designed to utilize not only the process and the procedure steps needed to solve that problem, but it also needs to take into account errors. Right. Uh, things like credit card declines or customers changing their mind on their order or even customers having a question. So it giving it this kind of questions uh, to answer, but also in the source code. Right. So... That's a simple one, and I say simple because I don't know how to write the code for it.
1: (laughs) Right, yeah, neither do I.
0: (laughs) But the more complex algorithms that are out there are, for example, Facebook, figuring out what posts to show you on your feed. They use an algorithm. yeah. Google uses a routing algorithm to figure out what the fastest way to get from Indiana to Pennsylvania is. Yeah,
1: that's true. (laughs) And they're pretty fast about it, too.
0: Exactly. And even Pixar uses algorithms to apply the right lighting to their digital character. How did I not know this? Right. So oh. algorithms are all over the place. We're we're lightly familiar with them, right. but that's so that is what an algorithm is. So for Ada's case, the algorithm programmed into the engine was telling it how to compute these complex numbers right. and what these complex numbers were equivalent to in decimals or fractions, etc. Right. So Ada's mind was amazing. <laughs>
1: right, oh my gosh.
0: Yeah, the problem was her body continued to fail her. Right. And in a very weird coincidence, Ada died at age 36, which was the same age as her father yeah, when he died. Strange. And she was buried at her request, too, next to him, which was also very strange. I don't
1: think I would do that, but... I know, she right. did, it, it makes her way more com- more curious about her, honestly.
0: And it f- makes him more important to her right. and to her life, right? In some mysterious kind of way, right? Uh, but she is she is buried next to Lord Byron at Saint Mary Magdalene in Nottinghamshire. But it is presumed that Ada died of uterine cancer in 1852. Now, that is usually the end of our tale when we talk about a gal. However, Ada's work continues to live on, which is just amazing because the machine, as Phoebe said, it was never fully built. Right. (laughs) But yet... Computers actually took shape very gradually after her death, and specific-use analog computers were invented, and one of them was like a tide-predicting machine in 1872. The first electromechanical programmer computer was in 1941. Say ten times fast. yeah I know right I can't (laughs) and there's difference between like electromechanical ones and there's difference in digital ones and fully electric yeah they're all they're all quite nerdy awesome with the different definitions and the, the, the different like categories like this is the first of this one right um but the 1941 computer, that one actually utilized binary, because Ada and Babbage, they were using um, the decimal system gotcha. as their okay. main programming. So that was a big leap forward. Again, we're talking about 1941, though. Right. Um So it would also be the use of vacuum tubes and digital circuits would get us a little closer to the personal computers that we now know. Um, In 1944, Tommy Flowers built Colossus, the first ever electric digital program computer, but it was not. Turning complete, which meant it was Alan Turning did a paper about how computers are supposed to be. And what that meant is that it was on a fixed program and not a stored program. So the first one that was turning complete was INAC, and it was completed in 1946 at the University of Pennsylvania. It took up 1,800 square feet oh and it weighed 30 tons. <laughs>
1: that's a that's a that's a uh, it's big, a behemoth that's, yeah that's a big step away from my 10 pound laptop
0: I mean a little bit a little bit that's that's the that's the the where it started was right. the 30 ton version oh, and boy. now we're on to our little featherweight laptops which is amazing right so I mean roughly a hundred years after Ada and Babbage's collaboration Did the world finally get to see the power of possibilities of the engine? And to think we have smartphones and apps that can create music and do complicated math in the palm of our hands. It's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder what they'd think.
1: (laughs) I know. Me too. And then I was actually doing some, you know, video editing. And somebody taught me how different colors, you can mask algorithms on top of colors to put over yes. video. And it's basically like you can make your own filters or, you know, different things. Like, basically you're a doing Snapchat a filter. You're computer program. Yeah. And you're, it's just math. Like, that's all your Snapchat filter is, which is crazy, you know? Yes. I
0: <laughs> but, love uh, I, that. <laughs> yeah.
1: I think it's so cool that Ada Lovelace and actually Hedy Lamarr intersect at some point like they never right with science
0: and music but their science
1: and music like all of a sudden they collide which is really cool and we did not plan it this way but it's really cool that their technologies are like overlapping and they both were very forward thinkers
0: absolutely yeah it's we'll see how much the through line continues but i I do love i love my music with my science i'm just oh yeah
1: oh yeah (laughs) So there's actually an Ada Lovelace Day, which is super yes! cool. So Ada Lovelace Day is an international celebration day of the achievements of women in science, technology, engineering, and maths, or STEM. Yes. It aims to increase the profile of women in STEM, and in doing so, it creates new role models who are encourage more girls into STEM, and then encourage more careers and support women in, that are already working in STEM, which is so Very cool. important.
0: Yes, yeah. absolutely. Oh, my goodness. It's still one of those things. If you can see it, you can be it. So oh, yeah, if you are totally. someone interested in science and you see somebody who looks like you or comes from your background or overcame something, right. um, then you're like, I can do that too then. <laughs>
1: absolutely. It's so important. So Ada Lovelace Day was founded in 2009, and it is now held every year on the second Tuesday of October. Which, it's not Ada Lovelace's birthday, it's not her death day, it's just a random day. But, you know, that's alright.
0: Exactly. But it's the same every year, so it celebrate!
1: yep. <laughs> Yay, celebrate! it features Ada Lovelace Day live, which is an event in London. And this is where women in STEM give short talks about their work, and other women who have inspired them, and all that kind of stuff. So, actually, next year's event will be held Tuesday, October 10th. In 2017, of course. In 2015, Ada Lovelace Day actually was the biggest and had over 150 independently organized Ada Lovelace Day events in 82 cities and 25 countries, which is amazing.
0: That's very cool.
1: Yeah. So what legacy do you think that she wanted to leave behind? I think this is a very interesting question for Ada.
0: Yeah. And it's weird, because I, I have this weird feeling mm-hmm. that she wanted her legacy to be that her father would have been proud of her. Aww. Um, I mean, I might be using too much of the stereotype of, you know, a daddy's girl who never got a chance to be a daddy's girl.
1: Right. Or,
0: I mean, I could even go with wanting to be as famous as her father, right? Right. Um. Yeah. But with his death at her formative years and also dying as the, at the same age, basically. And then requesting to be buried next to him. I mean, I think, and I'm guessing that Mm -hmm. she prided herself on being smart and making better decisions than maybe your father did. Yeah. And because neither of Babbage's machines were created actually in her lifetime, I don't think she really thought about leaving a legacy. Um, I think her mathematics, she loved it um, and she embraced it and she did what she could. But I don't think she thought of it as a legacy. I would love to be wrong. <laughs> right. Right. Because that is actually what happened. She did leave a legacy behind with right. her mathematics. Exactly. So, yeah. So it's, it's really kind of tough to say what she would have thought. What do you think was the yeah. legacy she wanted to leave behind or thought she did leave behind?
1: So I feel like she spent so much of her childhood trying to convince and prove to her mother that she wasn't crazy like her father. That mm. maybe she didn't really think about her legacy. I mean, I could be completely wrong, but I also think that you have something there too, Kate. I mean, Ada is actually, was really difficult for me to read this week. I mean, I could, I could tell she was passionate about her, her work, but her personal life, I was like, I don't, I don't know. Like, right.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know? Some of it's a mess. Some of it's speculation. Some of it's just being a countess and having a scandal in your life. (laughs) Exactly.
1: Exactly. So I can't actually tell if she knew she was going to be essentially making history. And then with all of her illnesses she had to fight and obstacles she overcame. I mean, I don't, I'm not convinced that she knew. But then again, maybe she did know her ideas were totally futuristic and maybe she did purposely educate herself so that she could leave a legacy with her children. I mean, I really can't tell at this point.
0: Right, exactly. I I am right there with you. But what I what I did learn from her at least. <laughs> Which is, you know, when you research any famous person, the important thing is what did you learn? You know, what exactly. kernel can yeah. you take with you? Right. Uh, what made your life richer just by, you know, learning about somebody? Right. Now, I I honestly did not know at all about her famous father. I did not right. know Right. Oh, no. Not at
1: all. <laughs> Me neither.
0: <laughs> and what I do wonder is the reason why we know her name and why we have paintings of her because of her famous father or because she you know actually had money <laughs> right because i do also wonder what if she was lower social standing um i fear she would be completely lost to history and we yeah. would have never known about her um i also think uh major props to charles babbage who from everything that i read Never downplayed her participation, yeah. Um, so that the world would always be ready to celebrate Ada whenever they discovered her, basically, right. which is um, so
1: awesome. It doesn't happen yeah. very often like that. It
0: really doesn't. It doesn't seem like he played it off like this was all me, right? Yeah, because <laughs> I think he even called her at one point the enchantress of numbers. Yes. Yep, yeah, I thought that thing. was yeah. beautiful. Yeah. Um, but he wanted us to a certain extent, I believe, celebrate Ada beyond the numbers. Um, right. And then, you know, I also learned that maybe she would have really loved dubstep. <laughs> <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's amazing. what I think. <laughs> maybe. Um, I mean, she oh. actually also reminds me of Alice Guy Blanchet from our very yeah. first episode, um, because both of them saw beyond the current applications of their industry, and they thought bigger. And they thought uh, how diverse it could truly be. So I really see a lot of similarities in forward thinking of those two ladies.
1: That's so awesome. I really love that. She actually reminds me a bit of Alice, too. I... I learned from Ada that being futuristic about your dreams and ideas is not necessarily a bad thing, even if you don't live to see that come to fruition. And I also admire the fact that she was sick and bedridden, yet she's still strengthened her mind and she was still passionate about science and about family and all of that stuff. So I just think that she was really cool.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. I adore it. Do you have any final thoughts on Ada before we wrap it up? I just find it interesting how she relates
1: to other women we've already covered and we didn't even realize that that was gonna like parallel each yeah other. so that's, that's really very true
0: we saw a little bit of hetty we saw a little bit of alice in there and yeah some common through lines totally <laughs> <laughs> when science and art mix <laughs> yes
1: sorry Ina's <Yeah>. mom <laughs>
0: exactly there's nothing wrong with artists (laughs) totally at least we keep telling ourselves that we all get a little (laughs) mad sometimes yeah (laughs) absolutely well that wraps it up for us thank you for listening to this now Award winning show, Your Gal Friday. You can find out more about Ada Lovelace and the upcoming gals that we're going to be covering at galsguide.org. If you like the show and find value in the gals that we cover, please tell your friends subscribe. So, subscriptions not only help you not miss an episode, but it also actually gets us higher in the search ratings. So, please tell them it's an award winning show.
1: And if you go on Patreon, we actually have blooper reels now, which I find really funny and awesome. So I, I don't know. If you guys like blooper reels, you should totally check that out. Cause, Absolutely. Yeah.
0: <laughs> we, we sometimes we say the wrong money. words and we it do. totally makes a new sentence. <laughs> right. That happens. And then we catch ourselves before we wreck ourselves. <laughs> exactly.
1: Exactly. So it's if you lovely. like bloopers, you should totally check that out because that's fine. Totally.
0: Fun. well we will leave you with this quote from ada that brain of mine is something more than merely mortal as time will show For more information about this week's gal, or to check out our previous episodes, visit galsguide.org. To support the show, visit the Gal's Guide Patreon page. We've got great perks like behind the scenes, early access, and private live streams. Thank you so much for subscribing to Your Gal Friday.